Hello, Rise Guys and Rise Gals. It's uh, John Marbley. I just wanted to put a little disclaimer up at the top. Uh, we have a very special episode this week, uh, as we have some special guests joining us. But uh, because uh, Russ and I are still figuring out the tech a little, the audio is a little uh, grainier or echoier. I don't know the right adjective. It's a little worse than it normally is, but uh, our ears adjusted, and hopefully yours will too, uh, if you... <laughs> If you have the patience for it, which I think I think you should hang in there because it's a <clears throat> it's a fun one. Uh, also, I had to duck out in the middle of the episode <laughs> um, because I got a last minute appointment I had to go to. Um, so uh, sorry about that. But uh, that happens in the middle. That's all. Uh, Russ thought I should tell you. <laughs> and I guess apologize. So forgive me and enjoy the episode. Okay. Well, let's do this again. Why wouldn't we? Because we're here to do a podcast. That's why I've gathered you all here. It's not for a funeral or a wedding. It's not for four weddings and a funeral. It's not for nine months. We're not here. <laughs> Is nine months what you call birth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going through you... Hugh Grant movies. Uh, oh, I'm an idiot. The, yeah, yes. The first instance of that being the case. If Mad About You was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's Mad About, mad about You. Oh, my God. God, I just, oh, I feel so stupid. <laughs> You're fine. Ugh. Oh, John, let's not start things off this way. I zoned out for two seconds. I missed like two titles and then I thought, <laughs> yeah. you know. We go too fast. We're too rapid fire for you to zone out for two seconds. That's like zoning out for a week and a half out there <laughs> on the streets. Fine. Get on your game. <laughs> I'll do better. You'll do, please do. Try to. Well, welcome everybody to Mad About Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marvely. It's good to have everybody. John, are you well? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. You just had a sip of La Croix, I saw. Yeah. It's very big out here. I don't know if it's the same in New York. It's very we've spoken big. Of, we've spoken about it, and it's not. It, I, I'm not too big on it. We have a couple of people who may have an opinion on this. We'll introduce them in a little bit about whether or not La Croix, first of all, if it's La Croix, or LaCroix. Nobody says LaCroix. <laughs> Even if that's what it is, nobody says it. So that's not what well, it is. You know what I mean? We can get their opinion on whether or not I am pretentious or an idiot or both. We'll find out soon. It's a pretentious move that makes you sound like an idiot. Great. <laughs> that's okay. That's double-edged sword. That's, I'm glad we get to put all of our eggs in the Russ is a pretentious <laughs> idiot basket. Great, great, great. John, we watched Mad About You again, didn't we? Sure did. Great. I'm glad I didn't do that alone. This is episode 34 of Mad About Mad About You, and we watched season two, episode 12 of Mad About You, an episode called Paul is Dead. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. Well, yeah, or right, because otherwise you got to wonder where they're going to go with this show. <laughs> there are, we have a box set. There are lots of seasons. Yeah. And if Paul's dead, <laughs> ooh, who knows how it's going to work out. Uh, and this is the first episode of 1994. Yes. It is January 6th, 1994. Yeah, for, for people back then, they didn't have a Mad About You for like a month. That's true. How could they have spent their lives? I mean, they had reruns, I guess, but that's it. 
Oh, thank God. I forgot about reruns. Their lives were not empty. No. They were able to recount the joy from previous weeks. Yes. Wonderful. Hey, John, I want to talk to our friends about this. How about you? Oh, yeah. Tell us who our friends are. Well, great. Well, so far January, it sounds like they're uh, business they're representatives like they're from head. the LaCroix company. <laughs> that could be. They could be imaginary also. Uh, yeah, these are my friends. <laughs> Big Stan and v- v- Veronina. They're totally real. No, that part's <laughs> very silly. Um, but January 6th, 1994, I'm going to jump ahead if it's all right with you. Yeah, do whatever the hell to... you want. <laughs> great. This is anarchy. We're going to talk about the television shows of the day. We're going to do it right this second. You're watching NBC. Okay. Great. Because January 6th, 1994 was a big day, both news-wise and television-wise. Because on ABC at 9 p.m. was the 1994 U.S. Figure Skating Champions Long Program. Figure Skating Championships Long program. That's what it's called? The long, yes. The long program? program. The long, yes. It's like. (laughs) They used to call, yeah, like how the office sometimes would be supersized by an extra 10 minutes. In figure skating, they call that the long program. Interesting. All right. Everyone gets one extra twirl in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, the men's program was on that night, the night of the sixth, but who cares about that? Brian Boitano returned to amateur camp competition after going professional. He earned a silver medal. You remember Brian Boitano? Only from the South Park movie. Great. <laughs> That's his most famous credit. <laughs> no, he was he was big, huge in 1988. I remember watching him being very excited. And then he went pro. And then he had his amateur ban lifted so he could be back in the Olympics and performing in the amateur ranks. This was his first time back. He won silver. Scott Davis won gold. But who cares about the men, John? Who cares about the men? Because on January 6th, 1994, in women's figure skating, this is a date that will live in infamy because that is the date on which Tanya Harding had her husband, ex-husband, Jeff Galuli, hit Nancy Kerrigan in the knee with a pipe. (laughs) Sounds so crazy. It is crazy. And I'll tell you, I brought a couple of people friends to talk about how crazy it is because here in brooklyn i know some people they kickstarted and they made it real and it's a real life thing and it's the best it is the tanya harding and nancy kerrigan 1994 museum it is a real museum that i'm currently sitting in and it's the best place in the world and it is (laughs) run by viviana olin and matt harkins say hello guys hi how are you hi welcome so glad to be here Thanks for hanging, and uh, uh, yeah, very, very good of you to have us here. Just to jump in. Please. Tanya Harding didn't have her ex-husband do it. This is what we're looking you for. Know. Clarify, Clarify. Please. But that is a very popular misunderstanding. Okay. You know? Now, she was, did she know about it? Probably. Okay. You know? But did she, was she sitting there masterminding it, saying, Jeff, get out there and do this? No. She met Jeff Gooley when she was 15 years old. He worked at a liquor warehouse. Okay. She moved, she married him because she wanted to get out of her mom's house because she was crazy. She smoked all the time, had a parrot on her shoulder. (laughs) And while, you know, Tanya made some bad choices. Absolutely. But, you know, we've all made bad choices when we're young. 
But she was also trained for the Olympics, you know, which mm. is like a whole thing. Jeff, on the other hand, was kind of just sitting around being like, oh, yeah, everybody's trying to take her Wheaties money, you know? Right. And so when it really, it wasn't her masterminding it. It was him and his his friend who called himself a bodyguard and them just sitting around saying, like, yeah, let's get her. We're gonna, this, yeah, this is what happens <laughs> when a couple of guys who sit around. Yeah, they're sitting around, yeah, decide, man. They got too much time on their hands. Yeah, decide to perpetrate uh, it. I wanted yeah. to curse, but I didn't because oh, I know it's a clean podcast. Great job. <laughs> But that's what the museum is about. And that's what you come here. You come here, you'll see it. You'll learn. Mm -hmm. You'll know. You'll walk away with that with that knowledge. Um, and yes, we, we do run this museum. That's wonderful. <laughs> Wait, so it's about clearing her name, kind of? It sounds like she got a bad rap. Yeah, she got a really awful, ta like, un like incredibly unfair rap for given what she did and what the consequences of it were. And if you, like, would compare her to any other athlete, it'd be like, whoa. <laughs> There's a huge difference between her... The consequences for her and, and almost any other any other athletic scandal. Sure, like her, she she was stripped of all of her titles and could not compete in figure skating at that national level ever again. Um, she couldn't even do ice capades. She couldn't do any of that. So basically, she couldn't they, coach. They took away any form that she would have to make money off of. That's what you do as a figure skater. You know, when you're when you were the age she was at that time, like 24, 25. You, that's it, and then you're supposed to you'd be able to make money off of that time in your life for the rest of your sure, life. Sure, sure. But then they, she couldn't do that. So then, and then everyone turned her into this big joke. Where even like you know, presidents uh, have. Monica yeah, like Lewinsky. Each president level. has made a joke about her. Sure. Which is just seems like piling what? on in such a way that's like, um, yeah. And at one point, whether it was like a campaign stop, late night show, she just becomes like people name sandwiches after her. Meantime, you know, she deserves a lot of credit for just staying alive with the fact that like having to face that kind of unfairness, you know. Like Monica Lewinsky, when she came back into her TED talk about bullying, yeah, and she was the only other person who, I think Tanya and Monica are the only ones like that like share this thing sure. where the whole world, every everyone like everyone had a joke about it. Yeah, a punchline um, for everybody. Yeah, it's like if you if you watch like Monica Lewinsky talk, every breath is calculated. You know, it's mm -hmm. because she's so mm -hmm. there's this still like terror you know and we did that to her we yeah. did every late night show did that to her and you have to remember these are nancy and tanya are world class athletes right. they reached the pinnacle uh, that we could never even imagine and nancy and tanya especially she came from nothing where you know? is she from again she from portland, portland outside of portland maine or yeah. oregon oregon ah. yeah but yeah, she was actually the the reason we got so passionate about it is we saw a documentary on her and we were like we grew up we were six and seven. Like you saw the thirty for thirty. The thirty for yeah. thirty. I saw that. Yeah, it was it's great. fabulous. And you you don't realize that Tanya was the first American to land the triple axle. She uh, yeah, broke I remember, record. Yeah. She made you know it's like it's amazing and then it's just all taken wow. over. You know. Yeah. It's amazing. And then, like, but, like, you know, athletes rape their wives. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. they, they get to come back, you know? And it's like, you know, Nancy got a deep bruise, you know? Nobody sure. died. No, yeah. And, you know, Nancy, she got to have this amazing comeback, too, you know, because she, like, just got better. Right. They like to put her in a box sure. as well of, like, what a stuck-up girl, blah, blah, blah. She said a few things that were taken the wrong way. Right. But it's like, these, these girls did not have social skills. They were athletes, you know? Yeah. It's like... Give him a break. So we like to celebrate them as athletes in the museum, look beyond the narrative, and also showcase a lot of fabulous homemade art. <laughs> the homemade art is very fabulous. John, you've got a look on your face. Because oh, he's transcending. Yeah. Well, I'm furious with society. <laughs> as it should be. Like a skater boy. That's the level of anger I have right now. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, yeah, that's let it out. <laughs> I can't believe it. I assume Nancy, I don't know anything about this, you know, outside of a musical I saw. I thought 
our career was over. You saw a musical? Yeah, you know, a parody. Yeah, there's been like a lot of yeah. Times inspired so much yeah. art. Wow. I, I feel like there were a that. bunch happening like a year ago, or two years ago, like a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it is like it's also like at the same time it's like a really campy story. So I feel like our whole thing is like you you could talk about both of those things at the same time. Doesn't mean you're like discrediting like any of Tanya's achievements if you're also talking about that it or you're being ironic or yeah Yeah. there's like fabulous moments in it that are fun yeah you can celebrate the camp and also uh, have sympathy absolutely it's 2017 I mean come on let's dig deep let's dig deep deep. (laughs) we're oceans (laughs) John how because you you were overseas for this yeah I didn't even know this was a thing till a few years ago (laughs) 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 yeah whatever so came in the zeitgeist oh no my sketch team at ucb did a show about it oh really yeah that's when i learned what it was so you (laughs) caught up about jeff galuli and and tanya harding about four years ago didn't cover the jeff galuli part in that show i learned about jeff galuli in this musical i watched a year or two ago (laughs) so so they focused strictly on just tanya and nancy and i looked it up because I didn't think that was his real name. I didn't know if it was a joke because it's a crazy name. It is a very like fun. Galuli sounds had the most fun with the name Galuli. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. So no, I didn't know anything about this. Galuli. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just, he changed it. So oh, did he? Yeah. What was he did like some Rolling Stone thing right where he didn't he name himself like oh, Johnny Rocket or yes, something? Yeah, he's like did. a porn name. Style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wherever you are, Jeff, we see we, you. <laughs> we got eyes on Jeff Galuli. Yeah, we are eyes on you. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, gosh. it's one of those things where I was just always like, who cares? But now I care. There you go. Well, we've done our job yeah. today. No, that's the power. <laughs> that's the power of your curation. <laughs> there's other stuff around in this. Uh, there's currently a uh, Real Housewives. Yes, that's our um, exhibit in the front room right now. We are now. We um, our permanent collection is Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, 1994 Museum, and actually starting December 1st, we're going to rejuvenate it in honor of the I Tanya movie coming out. So we'll have new art and we'll do a reopening for that. We go forward as the THNK 1994 Museum, using the acronym, mm-hmm. and we're on our fifth exhibit right now. Our second one was called Olsen Twins Hiding from the Paparazzi. <laughs> that was a, a fabulous show about the gays. You know, it was about the gaze and and you would be gazed upon mm-hmm. and there's so much gaze mm-hmm. our third show mm-hmm. is about this 45 second video of kim cattrall doing spoken word poetry because we just felt <laughs> that she was a star we just felt like nobody had given her credit for that and this video was like a wave celebrating that and then our fifth show is our fourth show our fourth was, show uh, was uh, uh with co- this blogger pop culture died in 2009 it was, it was a genius the theme was nicole ritchie's 2007 memorial day barbecue which uh <laughs> Forget. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there, but I remember reading yeah. about it. An email that she sent out leaked. So that was that show. And then this one is Real Housewives Pointing Fingers. We love Real Housewives. Yeah. Um, sure. And uh, we feel like it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. One that we not only live, but one that we love to you know, open the pathway for other people to live as well. Sure. We've spoken... We've brushed on it. Not a great length. We've definitely talked about how there's more Real Housewives in our lives than we had expected there to be. And hooray! Yes, absolutely. It's a thing to celebrate. (laughs) It started as flying material for me, and now I can't get enough. Yeah. I'm like, if there were 30 channels, and I didn't know anything on those other channels, and the Real Housewives are on, I'm like, I'm going to sit down and watch those Real Housewives forever, and then I'm going to enjoy that, by God. 
Oh, yeah. uh, there's so much to enjoy. <laughs> and there's so much to learn about women, how sure. the world treats women. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's just, it's wonderful seeing women of a certain age having fun together. Sure. And they're all such fabulous business women. I, I tweeted the other day, I said, you know, everything we've learned about business, we've learned from watching Real Housewives <laughs> talk about business. <laughs> and look at how far we've come. You there know? you go. You want to learn how to start an LLC? Just watch Sonia Morgan and Ramona. Talk about it. Sure. I don't know if I would say that the Real Housewives of the OC are as strong business women as the rest. Some of them have different, uh, you could see different thought being put into their different product lines. But Vicky did start uh, Koto Insurance. Yes. What? Only Vicky's, Vicky's maybe yeah. the ultimate. Are you kidding woman. me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she did have a wine on the show, but that was like, I think in her mind, that she was felt, like, whatever. Yeah. This is yeah. Even to me, in my mind, yeah. it was well, yeah. whatever. I'll do it, you know. Sure. <laughs> I'm not going to not have a wine. <laughs> Look, if you're going to give me a wine, I'm going to take a yeah. wine. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, then you could franchise this of Koto Insurance. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. I never it's even huge. heard of it. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. What is it for? Cars? People? Everything. We should become a brand. Nobody knows. Kodo? Kodo, C-O-T-O, like Kodo de Casa, which is the name of the how the show started. It was like a gated community. Right. Oh, that sounds classy. Oh, I'd use that. You're, I like watching you uh, make big decisions about how you feel about these things. You're, you've signed on. You're now pro Tanya Harding. You're oh, advertising much, yeah. there. Now you're like, yeah, Koto Insurance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pro let's Tanya and pro Koto. And <laughs> let's talk about timeshare. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> Was there more news stuff that happened around that time? From WNBC-TV, this is News 4 New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Well, I tell you what, there was a lot of news. So Please I'm going to save some it. for next week because it's too much. Great. It's too much. Too much. Too much, Jerry. But, well, no dateline for this. Uh, so okay. I, I don't know if you two are aware of this, but there was a column in the 90s in the New York Times called FYI, where people would just write in questions about New York and then they do research. Sure. Sounds very chic. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> They're very niche questions, niche questions to like very. And this one, they go, for years in Times Square, a wonderful sound came from below the grates on the traffic island that separates Broadway from 7th Avenue between 45th and 46th. It seems that someone has pulled the plug on it. What was it? Can we get it back? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a hook. Huh. Apparently, for more than a decade, that spot was the site of an oral installation installed by Max Newhouse, a well-known site composer. Site composer. Well, site composer. In 1977, in an abandoned ventilation chamber, Mr. Newhouse linked a few electronic sound generators to a loudspeaker. And the resulting low drones and soft hums were quite comforting to you and many others who traveled through the cacophony of Times Square. Oh, wow. And now they say last year, so this will be 93, the piece finally conked out. Mr. Newhouse wants to redo the whole thing, and he's trying to find the money, though. And the MTA said they'd happily put it back if they had the money. So they need money for art. What else is new? <laughs> Right? Oh my god, we have to find him. Well, right, guess right. what? Cool. What? There's he's a... dead. Can we not find him? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, they didn't find the money, and he's dead. No, <laughs> he's very much alive. And okay, um, sounds in the museum. There's a new one on the north end of the triangular pedestrian island located Broadway between 45th and 46th. He's got a new installation that's been there since 2002. Oh, wow. And it's there. So go listen to the sounds, the hums and the drones. It's the same hum? I don't know if it's the same hum. Can we get a ruling on the hum? <laughs> I also don't know. I'm not going to the city unless it's the same hum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to hear that 70s hum. <laughs> that 70s I want kind vintage of hum, hum or I won't. <laughs> yeah, so go check it out. A few years ago, they, they put in uh, 42nd Street and Times Square in the subway station. There's a big piece of art where there are like sound there are music boxes mm -hmm. with triggers and you yeah you're yeah, you bad like, at them is it 34 yes 34th not times square yes yeah, yeah, yeah and as you walk past if you're tall enough i'm not you <laughs> hit these things with your hand and they make yeah it's a little embarrassing but it's fun you know how embarrassing it is to give in to joy on a subway platform <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? That takes strength, John. Yeah, because in order to activate this, you have to sort of like reach your hand up and wave it in front of this box. Yes. I mean, you've all seen this, right? You have to be so confident in what you're wearing that day. Yeah. yeah. And just, it's not for me. <laughs> I've done it twice. And both times I played it like I was being uh, just curious. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's what that does. There's no way to play that off. Yeah. Because, you know, if you, if you make that sound happen and somebody hears it they look to you and they're like that's the guy who made that sound happen yeah it's like the people who pull the triggers on the space guns and the toy stores <laughs> yes absolutely you know what i mean <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like, as the housewives would say you just have to own it you do, you you have, do. that's 100 percent true <laughs> and i, I don't you've been uh astro square once oh, oh my god no you did not yeah it's such a mean thing to do but i was in high school is it not you're not supposed to do no, it? No, it's like it's there. It's like it's, it's unspoken. It doesn't say anything around it. But if you push it, it moves. So there's always people sitting nearby, <gasps> and then they think like, "Oh my god, this statue's falling on me!" So they like oh run god. up and they freak out, and then it's like you're just, you're just pushing it, and they're like, "Oh, whatever." Oh, I thought it was oh well god. known that it was meant to be spun. No, I feel like it's like if you're a lot of tourists sit there, and then I mean the people that we spun it, they they weren't happy. They were oh, shocked. But they're but, idiots. I mean, they they were, need to learn. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean. They used to have one of those in front of the mall by me. So I'm like, if you, if you don't know that a big cube on its side is going to spin, that's on you. I've been doing that since J.C. Penney's, baby. Yeah. Some sculptures move. Get a clue. Deal with it. Yeah. Uh, Dateline. Go ahead. Jewel thieves scout victims while dining. Oh my. This is a Christmas time article. December 11, 1993. Two well-dressed men have been using some of the nicest restaurants on the Upper East Side of Manhattan as their private hunting ground. Dining and drinking while scouting for victims. Oh, and then following... Oh, God. Oh. Uh-oh. So sometimes I start... I don't read these. <laughs> and I start with a very jovial tone, and then, <laughs> and then as I read, it gets really horrible. <laughs> And then following women with expensive jewelry and robbing them at gunpoint. Uh-oh. They made off with more than $500,000 worth of jewelry from four robberies. That's it. Four robberies. Wow. Is that like a million today? Yeah, inflation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like inflation. a quarter of a million dollars a robbery with I inflation. I love the words in that article. Jewel thief. Victim. Sure. Yes. The thing about <laughs> the thing about looking at old news is all all the stereotypes that you have about New York, like you know the cartoon New York that we all grew up hearing about and seeing, is yeah. real. 
Yeah. <laughs> just based on reality at the time. Yeah. And if it isn't real, it's you at least understand why we think so, because this is how it's painted. Because yeah. guess what the next story is? Dateline. Go ahead. Robbers steal diamonds. <laughs> the end. On New Year's Eve. Mass oh, thieves held no up a mid-Manhattan jeweler yesterday and escaped with what the victim said was $3.4 million in diamonds. Maybe wow. connected. Was oh, it ever solved? Tune in next week. Here's what's so bizarre. <laughs> Normally when you get a story like this in the Times, it's at least a few paragraphs. This thing's one little paragraph. Do you think that it's because the writer of the article it was is involved? the person who did it? Yeah, yeah, I do. And he said, you know what? I do have to report the story. <laughs> but I'm going to minimize the details. I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to gloss over it. A very handsome thief made off with <laughs> But nobody that, was mad at him. Two men wearing Halloween masks. Robe oh. alert. Uh, came through an unlocked <laughs> rear door of Goldenrod Jewelers on the 17th floor of 42 West 48th Street at 2 p.m. on New Year's Eve. Oh, my God. The middle of the day. Unlocked 2 p.m. Inside job. Inside job. Golden. Oh, and they handcuffed Golden. three employees to a steam pipe that relates, <gasps> oh, right? Oh, no. Wait, is that what that's you got whacked with? That, oh, that's right. Yeah. With the, the, you, so you think that the steam pipe <laughs> was directly related to the lead pipe. Oh, it's a lead which pipe. Was Sorry, used, I forgot. Which was used to whack. I got my pipe. It was pipes. actually oh. a collapsible police baton. The, I, oh, really? I apologize. Uh, you know, we're learning as we go we again and again. We don't want the word whack here. You know Fair, I mean? sure. You know, <laughs> as I was saying it, I felt that. <laughs> but it was too late mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. turn the we're car around. Comic book. Yeah. We're gonna leave we're gonna leave this podcast better than we began. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Russ, I, I tell me if I'm wrong, but don't you recall when we did this the same time frame episode last year, there had been another robbery on New Year's Eve near Times Square? I don't doubt it. The nineties Times Square was a madhouse. But also a lot of these people are timing it on the day that Times Square is the most crowded. Like there's such a like blending in moment that happens on yeah. New Year's Eve that I guess it's a really rich time to rob something. They're hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Well, that's before 9-11, though, right? So it's probably... You probably just walk sure. that, That's also true. Yeah, yeah these yeah. are pre-9-11 robberies. But they... they, they <laughs> pre-9-11 robberies, the coffee table book. I like that for sure. <laughs> I'd buy. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. This is from the vows section. Vows. Oh. It's a wedding blitz for Trump and Maples. Ugh. Marla Whoa. Ann Maples, the daughter of Ann Ogletree and Stanley Maples, both of Dalton, Georgia, were mar was married last night at the Plaza Hotel to Donald John Trump, a son of Mary and Fred Trump of Jamaica Estates in Queens. And they were never heard from again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Isn't that, it's so strange to read. And to have them identify him as if it's like, oh, you might not have heard of him. Yeah, by the way, here's, uh, we'll clue you in on who his parents are, so you understand, uh, maybe you know Donald's, Donald's father, so you can recognize him. Oh, these are some fun 90s guests. Oh, oh, Russ, this is interesting. Wait, oh, wow, a lot of different guests. Dinkins was oh. there, Mayor Dinkins. Okay. Liberal, along with uh, notorious Senator Alfonso D'Amato. Alfonso D'Amato, right? sure. Big uh, mm -hmm. conservative. Yep. What a bipartisan wedding. Oh, Charlie Rangel, Congressman Charlie Rangel. Great. Whose career sure. ended in dis disgrace, right? Correction. Absolutely, yep. yes, okay. just very recently. Very recently. Susan Lucci, the soap opera queen. Oh, fantastic. Jerry Orbach. Good for her. 
Oh, Jerry oh, Orbach. Jerry Orbach. Uh, he loves one. Jerry Orbach. Mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell. Get out of here. I won't. Wait, at Marla Maple. Oh, my God. That's actually that's insane. insane. Yeah. Stunning. That's news. It, it, it is news. We, we should, you know what? We should send this announcement to the White House and to Rosie. Yes. And just say, you guys, patch it up. Come yeah. on. Look at where you started. Remember some of the good times. <laughs> oh, and Tommy too. And, and Tommy, mm. Tommy Toon comes up on this podcast kind of a lot. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, this is such a trippy list. Okay, so you got Holyfield, you got Don King, you got Joe Frazier. These are all the athletes. And you got mm-hmm. a Mr. O.J. Simpson in attendance. Wow. Oh, my God. And this is like January 1994. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy Can you moly. send us a picture of that? That yeah. is crazy. <laughs> yeah, send you, oh, I, oh, a wedding photo would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and where was it held again? It was Plaza. The Plaza, the Plaza, Plaza Hotel. Plaza. Did he have a Trump hotel then, or no? Probably not, right? I mean, I feel I, like he must not have. But he, I like it feels like he did, but he must not have. Otherwise, he definitely would have had it there. I mean, the Plaza is the place to get married. That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh no. Uh oh. Uh, did you just find out that he became president? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, it says, it was, to use one of Mr. Trump's favorite words, a quality wedding. Ugh. Oh, my gosh. After he and his beating bride dipped and kissed for the cameras for about 10 minutes, Mr. Trump allowed, allowed as how? What the hell? What are you talking about? <laughs> I, don't under, I don't understand. I, don't, I think I the grammar's don't. messed up. Or I'm reading it Clearly. incorrectly. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's. Oh, wait, I heard a story about a, the Plaza Hotel, the, a doorman at the Plaza Hotel once said a taxi, this guy picked up a guy, the taxi driver picked up a guy in a car, Uh and then the guy who he picked up said, do you know who I am? So then the taxi driver was like, no. So then he brings the guy to the plaza, gets no tip, and then it's Donald Trump is the guy he picked up. He gets out, and the doorman goes to the guy in the taxi driver and asks him, oh my God, that was Donald Trump. The guy's like, oh, I didn't know. And he goes, did he ask you if you knew who he was? He was like, yeah. And he said, what'd you say? And he said, no. And he's like, I probably didn't tip you then, right? And it's like a whole thing. He didn't. He would ask, and they wouldn't tip oh, if they didn't know who he was. Oh my god! If they said that they knew who he was, they give the big tip. Oh my god! Yeah. That doesn't. I don't think he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm upset. <laughs> a lot of growth on this podcast. Thank you. Pro Tanya Harding, Pro Kato Insurance, and now finally, reluctantly, anti Donald Trump. <laughs> all the news that's fit oh one last thing we got a new mayor oh hey how about that mr rudolph giuliani he won we weren't Uh, sure if he was gonna win or not yeah it's been a tightly yeah it was a tight race race between him uh, and i already forgot who (laughs) 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 well david dinkins i think oh right Uh, sorry yeah Yeah, that's right yeah Yeah. you already forgot him from three minutes ago (laughs) from from the trump wedding yeah well yeah now that he's not mayor he's got all the time to go to weddings they get inaugurated on uh, New Year's Day. I don't think I realized that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty fun. That's when I would want it. That's, that's when... <laughs> <laughs> when you're mayor, we'll, we'll keep it the same. Well, clean year, clean slate, clean everything. Great. <laughs> clean Gracie Manor. Yeah. Gracie Mansion. A manor? I, it's not a manor. <laughs> I think it is. Is it? I don't know. Who can know? Manor's a state of mind, you know? So um, um, a mansion could be a manor, but a manor is not necessarily a mansion. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it. That's the news. Great, great, great. What did uh, how did TV Guide summarize this episode titled "Paul is Dead"? Uh, 
It said the death of someone else named Paul Buckman affects Paul dash 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 and his credit rating. Like who wrote this? Equifax? Who cares about his credit rating? That's not the point of the episode. Like what idiot wrote this? They liked the one scene with the credit cards and they decided to run with it. It doesn't but even really right. affect his like it, we don't even talk about his credit score. That's true. It's about getting credit, cash out. It's not about credit. Credit karma does not come up. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. John's going to wind up. He's going to get a job at TV Guide and then become mayor of New York City. That's his arc. <laughs> If I had been born 25 podcast. years earlier, that might have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget us. <laughs> no, my first act as mayor will be uh, an endowment for the museum. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Wow. We're building bridges today. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Um, speaking of which, I got a meeting. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, John. This episode, who was the director and who was the writer of this episode? Oh, That's what I want to know. You know, what, what do you want me to be so proud of you that you remembered? <laughs> Russ always skips ahead to the cold open. We never talk about who directed or wrote the episode. And today he Yeah, remembers. when you say it to people who don't understand the finer details, that doesn't seem like such a big deal, <laughs> I can feel there's a lot of tension. Yeah, I'm still waiting to hear the thud of Jaws on the floor. <laughs> Well, it was directed by Lee Shallot Chemel. We remember her. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, the old LSC. Oh, God. We had things to say about her. Makes, oh, I don't the, remember what we said, but I'm going to call her episodes just, uh, a real trip. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think we went LSD. Oh, we call, I think, did we call her a Lucy? We might oh, have called, she's oh, a we Lucy. Called her an I love Lucy. Lucy. <laughs> and it was written John, by... John, uh, talking about these things in front of people who are not in the loop... Yeah, it makes me feel like a real very idiot. very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're looking right at him. <laughs> and it was uh, written by Billy you Grunfeld. You want to talk about gays? Who? No. <laughs> <laughs> written by Billy Grunfest. Oh, great. We know him. Grunfest. Classic writer. Classic Mad About mm-hmm. You writer. Written a ton of them. And boy, did this feel like a signature episode. It's a good one. Did you know that Paul is Dead is a uh, Beatles reference? I. It felt like some kind of reference. Yes. Oh, yeah. To the, uh, um, the, the belief, the rumor... The conspiracy theory. Well, no. Well, there's that's a fact. Oh, I'm getting mixed up. Okay, go ahead. Did you know that? Did you know that in the late '60s there was a rumor that Paul McCartney was dead and replaced by a clone? Oh, I forgot that. If not a clone, yeah, a clone then a double. Yeah. And there was like, if you played a record backwards or something, right? Mm -hmm. It was like John saying Paul's dead. Yeah, he's saying I buried Paul at the end of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but he's really saying cranberry sauce, and you know, on the cover of Abbey Road. One of the license plates on a car says 28IF, and they're like, oh, it's 28IF because Paul oh. would have been 28 if he'd lived. Oh, that's and, interesting. I mean, it is it is interesting. It is bananas. I'm on board. And very silly. You're on board? Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel the growth. I like that. Guys. There's more stuff, too. That didn't even take a lot. I told you about a license plate, and you guys signed up. <laughs> so weird. But also, he is the last... Oh, no, a few of them are... Wait, no, he's the last... Oh, what's his name's alive? The drummer. Ringo. Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so, yes, Paul's Dead is a Beatles reference, and the cold open has nothing to do with the Beatles. Cold open has to do with refrigerators. Look for 
this. I don't look for it. How do I look? It's like you. You can't let go of the slanty floor. Well, that slants. Mm. It doesn't slant. Oh, come on. Right here, it slants. Whoa! What's going on here? I'm telling you. I don't feel it because there's no slant. You don't here. feel it? You've there's lived no, here all these years. Every like time buzzy, I come in buzzy, here, whoa! I'm not even as tall as I am down here up here. I come on like, whoa! Have we seen this scene before? We have not, but this, I believe, I believe that this was played and replayed often. And this was, this was on commercials. Yeah, okay. So we have seen it in a way many times. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. a definite four clapper moment. It is a big four clapper. Four clapper, of course, as you guys know, I'm sure I don't need to explain to you what a four clapper is. But four clapper is when in an episode something happens that you see it and you say that would go in the opening credit scene uh, for a show. It's okay. called a four clapper because of the opening credits for Friends when there was the four claps and they have all of those segments. So it's just like, oh. there we go. Oh, that's so fun. This is standard lingo that I made up. It's a good term, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'd be waiting for that call from Oxford. <laughs> it's coming, I'm sure. And this is a fun one. I, Jamie yelling, whoa, and Paul listening to that hum. I could do that for quite a little while. Such physical comedy, you know. So She's, good. Can I call her Helen Hunt, or do I call her <laughs> Call her whatever you want. <laughs> oh, it's just sliding around that floor, mm -hmm. you know, just a bit Fraser-esque, you know? Yeah. Really, really fabulous. Owned owned that soundstage. She's so fun. Have you guys watched the show? You've watched the show before? Yes. I watched it when it was on, like, somewhat, but I, my, I mostly remember, like, the birth episode, which could have been the finale. I don't know. No, the finale is very There true. was a season or two. Yeah, the, the finale is... A weird one. <laughs> that was very weird. <laughs> yeah. What happens? Janine Garofalo plays their kid grown up. Okay. And oh. she's doing a documentary talking directly to camera. And then we see like flashbacks of everything else that happened. It's Oh, that's delightful. Yeah, yeah it's fun. it's it's a fun it's a fun one. It's yeah, it's weird. Nice little high concept finale. They gotta be. For sure. Yeah. You know these fans. <laughs> the birth yeah, the birth happened uh, a season or two before the yeah, end Yeah, like of the season show, five, maybe? So, yeah, yeah, something like that? something like that. And Bruce Willis was in it, right? Oh, was he the oh, doctor? He might be. Show. I know Bruce Willis was in it. I'm almost, oh, I would stake my life on that. <laughs> Don't. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is terrible. If In a few it's years, when we review this, he's not the doctor. We have to come and kill you. No, you just gave us Oh, that's... I have to play that point. <laughs> Die young, stay pretty. We finally have stakes. <laughs> I'll just note that I do not kill me. No, <laughs> no, duly noted. <laughs> so yeah, so they, uh, I, I wrote a four clapper for the ages. And then we go into the first scene, which is Paul. He's coming in, he's talking to Murray. He says to Murray, I never knew you had a thing for terriers. I thought you were a poodle man. And uh, Murray barks and Paul says, I'm not judging, which is a fun little silly bit. Yeah, he loves and treating Murray like a, a buddy. He does. <laughs> like a human buddy. <laughs> like a human Paul bar has, buddy. <laughs> Paul has come in from the outside <laughs> and that's where you come in from. Yeah. Uh, he has come in from outdoors. <laughs> And he is wearing one billion layers of outerwear. Yeah, he looks good. He looks like a uh, Ralph Lauren model. <laughs> That's what I think of when yeah, I see we... those puffy, you know, 
puffy things. He's got an overcoat on. He's got a puffy vest. He's got a scarf. He's got a jean jacket. He's got a hoodie. Yeah, that That's is a lot, lot of layers. The jean jacket I would lose. Of course. You lose the jean jacket. There's, there's at least... You wear one of the outer vests. You wear the puffy vest or you wear the overcoat. No. And then you kind of deal with how cold you are. Yeah. Given that. You know, or you wear all of them, which is what he did. Which is what he did. I mean, you know, <laughs> he proved me wrong. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. You the and one he thing are I wasn't confused right. about watching that is whether or not it was cold. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, he says it is uh, nippy and he says it is cold as hell. No. Cold as hell, nippy. That's where I got nippy from, I think, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? You had oh. never heard the phrase nippy until... Yeah, why? Where'd you hear nippy? Where'd everyone hear nippy? Yeah, where where would you hear it? Oh, man. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the first time I heard the word Yeah, let's do our nippy stories. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you remember. Does nippy come from nipply? No. It just means there's a nip in Oh, like dogs, puppies, nip. Oh, nipping means trying to latch on, I think, though. Is it with that song? It's the Christmas song, uh, Nipping at Your Nose? Jack Frost. Uh, Jack, Jack Frost, Frost nipping, nipping at uh-huh. oh. That's maybe worth. That is such a fabulous point. That, that really. It's not bad. That wow. really is. I mean, you didn't even research that. You just knew that. No, I, 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 I didn't. <laughs> I don't mean to brag, guys, but I totally know the words of the Christmas song and uh, know the etymology of the word. <laughs> that makes sense. Thank you. Oh my gosh, we're so smart now. <laughs> so Jamie is going to run errands on this day. On a Saturday. A Saturday. She's got to run up to 44th Street to pick up her mom's watch. And then she's going to zip over to 1st Avenue to buy a new bath mat. And she why, invites Paul. Why are you Paul... going all the way to 1st Avenue to get a bath mat? This had better be live? some bath mat. They live in... Uh, 10th? Where do they live, John? 5th Avenue and 10th Street. Yes. In a mansion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, they live in the West. They live in Greenwich Village. It's easy to get confused because sometimes they don't know where Union Square is. And it's just like, hey, guys. How dare they? (laughs) Right? Yeah, (laughs) it's not okay. They got lost on the subway a couple episodes ago, and she asked directions Mm -hmm. to Union Square. Yeah. And she's got to walk. And it also made us mad because she asked directions to Union Square from the 14th Street Station. And I'm just like, hey, guys, this is the same place. Yeah. You guys are in the same place. Oh, my God. So. But she's a star. She can do it. Right. right. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I bet she didn't ask again. (laughs) (laughs) Lesson learned. (laughs) So, yeah. So she invites Paul to join her. Paul hates the idea. And then she says, hey, why don't you go to Dvorak to get some shoes? He says no. That's what she said, Dvorak? Yes. Is that an old store in New York? I'm assuming. It's at least a place to get shoes. Like the keyboard? Google it. What? I don't know. Oh, the composer. Oh, I'm such a dork. (laughs) I'm such a dork that when I hear Dvorak, I think of the keyboard layout. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm taking a leap that it is a shoe place. Not a shoe place. Not a shoe place? So, I don't know. I Googled Dvorak shoes. Nothing okay. Came up. Nothing Doctors came up. Came up. Okay. D V O R A K. That's Dvorak. Said. I know how to spell Dvorak. <laughs> rise, guys. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. Two things. Tell us if Dvorak is a shoe place. And two, tell us the first time you heard about Dvorak shoes. I, I, well, if the first thing's. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this request it may matter. not hold water. Yeah. So. She says, if I get a bath mat that you don't like, and Paul says, you won't hear a peep out of me. 
And so Paul is in for the day and he puts on a record and knock on the door. Would you mind turning the music down? Hal has a migraine. What? A migraine, a headache. You try to give him some ace brine? <laughs> this is very funny. I greatly enjoy this bit about a migraine. What a neighbor. <laughs> She's so good. She's, oh, good. Yeah, Judy Geeson. So, such a good, terrible person. She's so got a Cece Babcock feel. Uh, yes. Uh, have you we know? said that? I feel like we've said that. I'm not sure if we have. You, but you're you not hit the wrong. nail you're right on the head. <laughs> <laughs> John Viviana said it. Let the record show. Rise, guys, rise, guys. Cece this Babcock. This is a VO original. <laughs> what a, I haven't heard that name in so long. Yeah. It just feels good yeah, on I'm the like, ears. I'm like, I definitely said it because I had to pull together Cece Babcock, Cece Babcock. Oh, got it. Yes. I had to remember mm -hmm. where she was from. So it, it didn't come up for me. I had such a crush on her. Sure. <laughs> when I was a kid. Sure. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. She was, she was there. You know what I mean? She was consistent. She was present. Absolutely. <laughs> she was tough. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, we talk about migraines and ace brines, and it's a fun yeah, little It's joke. fun to make fun of another people's culture. <laughs> Basically. Like it scratches that itch. <laughs> it's, a, it's a safe one, you know what I mean? Oh good, an other that I can laugh yeah, at. Yeah, Fabulous. yeah, we don't have to stop doing it, just find the right one. <laughs> <laughs> so Jamie asks Paul to join her for brunch, and he says he has to wait for the handyman to fix the hum in the fridge. And yeah, we have a little bit about uh, bath mats. You see what they do, Murray? They try to wear you down. You must never, ever fall for that. Where is that? You can't fight. Yeah, the light versus dark back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Paul and Murray talk about women wearing them down. Yeah. <laughs> The light and the dark of the bath mats is probably part of a bigger theme in the episode, you know. Good and evil. Good and evil. Right. A little bit life of yin and, and yang. Short sure. life and death. Oh my goodness. And we start yeah. with death, of course, with the cold. That's true. Yeah. Oh, it's cold out. The duality of man comes into play here. Yeah. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to go out. It's like sliding doors. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, that's this true. This is just, this is very much a sliding door. And we get a little of that later. <laughs> That's very true. That is legitimately true. I mean, this is what you come to expect from an LSC trip, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we go to Riffs, and uh, Jamie is still trying to get Paul to get a bath mat. And Paul re replies to her, please, never going to happen, my friend. I think this is the first time that that catchphrase has returned since it was debuted, Yes. They... That's a catchphrase. Mm, no, it yeah. is a catchphrase, my friend. Yeah. Is it? It's a Paul Reiser catchphrase. It's a Paul Reiser catchphrase. It's definitely a Paul Buckman. It's a Paul catchphrase. Buckman catchphrase. When he said it, he said it over and over again in an episode a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Is this the only time that this comes up, or does this come happen again?" Because I don't remember it. And John was just like, "Oh, he says it a lot." Yeah, it's deeply ingrained and, in my DNA. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably around the time of the episode when we realized that Paul Reiser is kind of hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. So he's a baby. <laughs> yes, you know, he is. Got, that's fantastic. Boyfriend quality, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's very shirtless in a lot of episodes. Which, is he now? Yeah. 
Oh, it send looks up. good. Dude looks good. Is he? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. For, first, first shot of episode one. He's in bed. He's shirtless. Oh, you're right. He is shirtless in bed a lot. Oh my god, that's. Mm-hmm. But when he's not wearing a vest, he's shirtless. Extreme. All right, shirtless. We've got a Google going on. Oh, it's so nice to hear people say that about him. Oh yeah. You don't hear that a lot. That's gotta be from some movie. Let's say Paul Buckman because because <laughs> that's because I like him there, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you Google Paul Reiser shirtless, you never know what you're gonna. I'm find. gonna have to do some deeper dives later, but yeah. um, I understand. It's not an immediate come up, you know. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you're it's, gonna it's be diving real deep to find almost any internet culture on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I created a meme. <laughs> Nobody liked it on Twitter, and I never made one again. <laughs> or a GIF, whatever. Whatever it was. <laughs> it took me four hours. <laughs> so Ursula comes by, fills Paul's woo! tea with coffee. Yeah, big and, woo. Uh, yeah, and takes his credit card. Oh, that silly, silly Daffy Ursula. And yeah, Jamie, Jamie says that her burger came with jack cheese and not mozzarella. And Paul says, you could tell the difference. Um. Hey, hey, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Your palate sucks, dude. What's the matter with you? Hey, Paul. Does mozzarella come on burgers? It um, can. sounds insane. It like, I remember like pizza burgers. I know that's a thing that happens. Yeah. It's not great. That's another thing. They, they, brunch was such a thing in this episode. And so it's fun to know that in 1994, you know, brunch culture. Oh yeah, there's there's a big brunch right. episode a little while ago. Yeah, where they they have like they have a buffet at that restaurant. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, which they, is really they weird. invented brunch. <laughs> they may have invented brunch. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, come on, Paul Buckman. You need to know, be better about cheeses. Paul Buckman colon be better about cheeses. Can we make a, a sticker now? In real time, that says Paul Buckman be better about cheese. Yeah, sure. Well, no, Good. not in real time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Give me two months. <laughs> so yeah, they talk about whether or not they even need a new bath mat. They're of different minds on the topic. A bath mat is for inside the tub, right? Or is it the the mat that goes right outside the tub? Right outside. Right outside the tub. Oh, the well, he... he was talking like he he, he couldn't tell the difference. Because all it needs to do is just make sure that your feet are warm when you get out. Yes. But they don't even need a new one. Yes. Like a... Right. Oh, that's right. Right, right, right. What happened to the old one? It was just in bad shape. It's ratty. Yeah. yeah. It's ratty it's and ratty. faded and torn, she mm-hmm. says. So, yes. Yeah, so, do they... Let's go around. Do they need a new bath mat if it is ratty and, and torn but still functions properly? Of course. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's the bathroom. I mean, it's yeah. like it's the creating the mood of the bathroom. Right. It's like, how are you going to feel clean? You're already in New York City. You know, you have to feel clean when you get out of the bathroom. And you're in a bathroom. Yeah. I vote yes, but maybe not today. You know, maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be today. Like, maybe, like, while you're doing, you're already around there, you can pick it up on your way home. Sure. It's not going to be the end of the world if we don't mm-hmm. get it today. It's a, two, it's a couple. They don't have kids. Which sort of you know? immediately belittles, like, her, like, urge to go get one, I feel. I'm not trying to belittle her. I feel like <laughs> the question was, round table. Right. How do you, how do you, if you are them? So just say no. Because it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, but not today. It's like... Okay, but she's told you I'm building a little bit of my day around going to get this bathroom. Right. I want you to come with uh, me. No, but no, she's not, she's not, I'm, she's not building her day. She's building everyone's day around it. You because know what I mean? Because she's not the only one who uses the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
We're just telling you how how you feel makes us feel, okay? We need to make space for all of this. this. We're roommates and this is hitting like some core issues. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's the Helen. (laughs) I use a doormat as a bath mat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that is wonderful. So yeah, if Jamie then says to Paul, if you don't want to go, just say so. And Paul just kind of stares at her, mouth agape, because that's all that he's been doing, (laughs) saying he doesn't want to go. And then Ursula comes back with some news. But it does the job, you know, it gets between the warm foot and the cold tile every time. And let's be honest, that's what we're paying a bath mat to do. Fine, if you don't want to go, just say so. Okay, do you guys have another credit card? Sure, what's what's mine? Um, I had to cut this one out. You, what do you mean, what? Yeah. Why, 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 why would you do that? Um, they told me to. Who? Right, the voice over the phone. Has this happened to anyone before? I used to work at a hotel, and when things were declined, I, they never told me to do that, I don't right. think. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, but I, I don't think so. It must have happened at some point, right? In real life. In some era of credit. Yeah. It just probably. seems crazy to me. It makes more sense, I think, for stolen credit cards, right? Yeah, right. I hear what you're saying, John, and I think I agree, because I, I can't get past the idea of something just saying, cut up this credit card right now. Right. And somebody doing it. I could see, call the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, confiscate this card. But to have it say, destroy this card. Yeah, and also, I, 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 scissors don't just sit around a restaurant. That's it's not a craft table. Like, how does anyone just have scissors all the time? This has always bothered me in media since I was a little kid. Whenever there's scissors someplace? No, just the fact that there's no scissors wherever they cut up credit cards. No, Russ, far more specific than you thought. I mean specifically, because we've all seen this trope for like 20, 30 years, you know? And it's always yeah. bothered me. I once, uh, they sell scissors that have multiple blades, like six blades per thing for the, exp- so that you can <laughs> you destroy thing. things. I don't know what you mean. Thi- like, <laughs> What's a thing? Uh, so you, it's, uh, think of a six bladed scissor. Like are they parallel? Done. Yeah. Yes. So it's like a. Sack. No, well, they inter- they intersect. They're not. Pa- if they were parallel, they'd never touch, and they would be completely non-functioning scissors. Okay, so- I think I follow. I think I follow. Yeah, they're scissors. <laughs> link your link your hands together, John. Your fingers. Yeah, it's those like are your this. scissors. Like this. Plus one more. And what do you use it for? I'm cutting up credit cards. <laughs> are you joking? No, it's it's for destroying like big documents quickly. Quickly, or but difficult. with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> but with scissors, yeah. For for shredders too quick. Shredders. We don't want a shredder. Yeah. But when you need a shredder, do you really ha- like? Is it like? Is it there? That's a great you know? point. Yeah. I mean, no, it's not. You gotta go somewhere. If you live off the grid and uh, don't have an electrical bill, you don't. True. How are you going to shred? But you your have many secret documents. documents. How are you, yeah, you going to shred your incriminating evidence? Yeah, your journals. Yeah. <laughs> your hemp journals <laughs> of nonsense. Paul and Jamie, they're very casual about having their card cut up. Yeah, that's true. 
But, I mean, I get it. It's like, what are you going to do, you know? What are their jobs again? Jamie is currently unemployed. She's going to go back to school. Good for her. And Paul is a documentary filmmaker. Ah. He does all right for himself. Okay. We're not entirely sure how. He's successful enough. It is, yeah. right? <laughs> Mildly attractive documentary filmmaker who does all right. Sure. Yeah. Man, he's got, he's got his own, like, he's, he, he rents his own studio space and stuff. We go to buckman studios quite a bit yeah. he's got people working for him oh you think that's sexy you should oh. see him he's legit yeah yeah guy okay. makes bank okay. <laughs> you should okay. see him come in the door with a messenger bag and a vhs case Whoa. i'm not even I joking i'd like to yeah <laughs> just like a big fat unlabeled there might be a masterpiece in here vhs case <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh yeah, Paul says, what kind of terrible thing could the machine say about me? And Jamie says, won't go with wife to bath store. <laughs> Agreed. It's a pretty solid joke. And Ursula returns with another cut card. Paul says, is that better? And she says, yeah, this one was much easier to cut. I love that. She's so good. Jamie gets more angry this time. And they decide to pay cash, which then leaves Paul low on cash. And so they decide to stop off at the bank. And so when we come back from commercial... They are heading to the First Bank of Manhattan. Or as the sign reads, it is the First Ank of Manhattan because there's no B. And Paul has a very silly joke where he says, no why it's taking so long, it's not a bank, it's an ank. Oh, right. And that explains the joke later that I didn't get when he says B as an ank. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can hear the studio audience kind of take an extra beat or two. Like it registers slowly for them. I couldn't hear that not, because I was doing the same thing. For you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they have a little bit of a back and forth as they wait for cash. They're very much in love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie is caught staring at the guy at the cash machine. A guy played by Race Nelson. Oh my. That's a name. Yeah. And guess what? He was one of the bad guys that kidnaps the kids in Three Ninjas. <laughs> John, if you'd given me a million guesses, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, that's why I just came out with it. <laughs> he did a Red Shoe Diaries, too. Okay, great. And then a Diagnosis Murder. Okay. We've covered that on this show. Yeah, we had uh, uh, an episode director on. He did not direct did? this episode, though. Okay. And then a very short career that ended in 1998, and God knows where he is now. God bless, Race. And I thought he might be related to Craig T. Nelson, but... That's based no, on that's... nothing except uh, that... <laughs> they have the same last name. Vague similarities of a popular last name. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they go up to the machine, and they have a little bit of a back and forth as they wait for cash. It's very sweet. And their card is confiscated by the machine, which... They can't win. They cannot win. Yeah. They can't win. As I was watching this episode, I suddenly realized... Hey, that happened to me once. Oh. Universal. Wow. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C., and uh, I had bought a bus ticket home for the wrong day, where I was, or the wrong time, I was, and I needed to upgrade, and I needed to get cash in order to pay for the additional fee, and I went to a, a bank there, and I put my card in, and I don't know how or why, but it was just like, no, <laughs> this is ours now. I don't remember. I think I borrowed money from my friend in order to pay for my bank. Uh, for yeah, my, that's my horrifying. It was awful. 
That sucks. Technology, you can't trust it. <laughs> I can't. And that's what this episode's teaching us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to take out all of my money from the bank, and I'm going to get some scissors with a lot of blades on them. <laughs> I mean, banks do make me anxious. Yeah, they should. It's just a number. This is what we're, it's just a this is what we're learning. <laughs> so, yeah, Paul says, the man with the nice ass took all the money. <laughs> Yes, yes, race took all the <laughs> So Jamie uses the phone to talk to the people inside because she says it's faster that way. And she's immediately put on hold. And the hold music is Harry Connick Jr. And she groans because she hates Harry Connick Jr. Paul says, you love Harry Connick. And she says, it's the new one. Meaning? I look, meaning it's the new Harry Connick album. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Was there one? Well, the most recent episode, episode, most recent album to this episode release would have been Where My Heart Finds Christmas. So, the, a Harry Connick Jr. Call the Christmas, Christmas album the new one? I don't think I don't you think would, think do, you would that. do that. Yeah. That's insane. The album prior to that that he released would have been released the year before. Okay. And, like, and it's a great album. I think it's called 25. It was released when he was 25 years old. It's all standards. It's all... I love Eric Gonick Jr. And it's just like, it is... There's nothing on that album that would be like, oh, I like his older stuff when he played the piano and sang old tunes. Not this new album where he plays the piano and he sings old tunes. Yeah. They're the same. That's insane. I could see calling a Christmas album the new one at that, but at that time was it something that Yeah, there, did? you know, like, it's different back Also, then. She worked, she's going back to school. She doesn't maybe follow the... The careers, but know that this is like a standard thing to do a Christmas album. She know better, you know what I mean? No, she knows better. I don't think she's so smart though. She's so sharp. But her smarts are geared in a different direction, I think. What What is she studying in school? We don't know yet. Yeah, she hasn't decided. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. She, For an entire episode, she was she a was PR like, exec. Ah. Yes. Oh, she, she was well, a she was she a PR know. exec. Yes. Yeah. Public relations executive. Yes. She was executive. great. Great at it. Great at it. She has no excuse. Well, no, but not not for pop culture. Like she had very business oriented. For like hospitals. Like uh, Computron she... was a big client. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, with PR's PR. <laughs> That's fair. Harry Connick Jr. Oh, was a client. <laughs> Well, here's oh, here's something that I thought of, John. So Harry Connick Jr. is in this uh, is mentioned in this episode when she is in an ATM vestibule. Ah. Does the term ATM vestibule mean anything to you? Yeah, from Friends. From Friends. What? Jill what Goodacre. The, uh, Were they yes. married? Jill Goodacre is Harry Connick Jr.'s wife. Whoa! Did you guys follow that? No. <laughs> On Friends. From okay. Joey Tribbiani during the Blackout uh-huh. episode gets locked in an AT or no sorry Chandler gets locked in an ATM vestibule with Jill Goodacre the model he repeats it again and again on the phone trying to be cool oh. I'm trapped in an ATM vestibule with Jill Goodacre and she and was married to a, Harry and she, they were married mm-hmm. she's married to Harry Connick Jr what wow and Helen Hunt is listening to Harry Connick Jr in an ATM vestibule here's something that's crazy she said Harry Connick you think it might be his father? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Maybe? I'm pretty sure that Harry Connick Sr. is also a jazz musician. But I think if she's talking about uh, Harry Connick... No. I, I don't think he was that... He's an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> On the side, he's an accomplished jazz musician. Uh, he might be. I saw yeah. the uh, Los Angeles... Maybe a fan of Harry Connick. It's just like the new one. He's junior. <laughs> That's yes. literally what I thought, though, too, Viviana. <laughs> hey. 
it's, it's, it's where the mind goes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought of that. <laughs> Wait, oh did God. I think that? <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> so Paul and Jamie are instructed to go inside where they meet a very friendly employee. What can I do for you? Your your uh, cash machine ate my card. Oh, it does that sometimes. May I have your cash card number? Sadly, no, because the cash card number is on the actual cash card itself, which, as I mentioned earlier in the sentence, was eaten by your machine. Let's solve this together, shall we? Please sit down. Your name? Buckman. That's B, as in A. Uh, Seinfeldian customer service. Absolutely. I love the idea of your machine ate our card. It does that sometimes. I'm like, it shouldn't. That's not what a machine should do, is eat cards. Well, it's built to do that. I guess so. Uh, she's played by Carolyn Mignini. Mignini? I don't know. She's Italian, I'm sure. New York actress. You might recognize her as Joan on The Deuce. That's a new show, right? Yeah, brand new show. I have not watched it because it looks very heavy. You know, I'm waiting. What a career! Uh, I'm not had. sure about this woman. I do not know. Fantastic. I do not know her. Do you I watch do the, not deuce? Know the Deuce, but that's great. Right. I do not watch the Deuce. Oh well, that's why. That's why. That's exactly why. <laughs> and uh, long Broadway career too. Guys and Dolls. She was just oh in '92. Oh, she started on Broadway. She was in the original Fiddler. Oh wow! So was Bette Midler, right? I do not know. But is she that true? Well, I well may have been. How we have not have known that? She was in Fiddler on the Roof, and my uh, I have a story about that. My sister was born in a bed that she had sex in because my parents were kind of like staying at the fiddler's house. And he claims, uh, well, they were kind of subletting from him, but sure. he claims when he was in the show with her that Bette Midler came up to him and said, well, when are you going to give me a tumble? <laughs> and, and claims that she went back to <laughs> Staten Island. <laughs> they had sex in that bed. And my parents, he kind of laughed. My parents kind of like stayed there, squatted, you could say, with permission. And uh, my sister was a home birth in that bed. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Who, who's yeah. the fiddler? The lead, Tevya? Or the literal fiddler? Uh, no, he's the, no, the literal like musician fiddler. Jane Oakton Forty? I don't know. <laughs> From Chicago, Illinois? <laughs> the fiddler on the roof. <laughs> 1932? Give me a tumble. That's all I can give to you. That's so funny. Gino. <laughs> Wow. Wait, My goodness. Oh, when he took her back to Staten wonderful. Island? Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know, but Gino Conforti sounds like maybe from Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> Is he attractive? Oh, I mean, he's the polarizer. You know, uh, oh, let me Google him. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you just knew? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was on the uh, Internet Broadway database, which does not have photos. Oh, he's still alive. No way. And he is... Uh, Can I text him? You asked me, what'd you ask me if he's, yeah, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, you know, I don't know. When he's young? Is he, no, now he's very old. He looks. Oh, yeah, but... think, we, think we can get him on the podcast? He looks like a character actor. Oh my God. He's that guy? He's, uh, <laughs> this is not going to be satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> he's, what's his name? You guys remember the old Get Smart show? Yeah. Sure. You remember the character who would just sort of like, they'd open a drawer and he'd be in there? Okay. But he was always spying. Sure. That's him. That's amazing. Yeah. I, okay, I you know, I, I, my parents, they say a lot of things. I'm just going to, before we, I'm going to confirm before we get him on the podcast. <laughs> confirm. <laughs> I think, I, 
Gino, you said awesome about Gino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, eight and a half. What? Age of eight and a half. Oh, that's funny too, because he's so Italian. Age of eight and a half. Oh, there you go. That's a reference. Oh my goodness. What a Wonderful. what a fascinating story. Bette Midler was not in Fiddler on the Roof, but perhaps <laughs> perhaps they were just fr you know, she was around, I'm sure. No, she I mean, not not according to the <laughs> Internet Broadway database. No, but there's a nanny episode where they reference her being on Fiddler, and then, like, the mom said, no, the sister says, Midler was on Fiddler. Wait. Don't you look like an idiot. <laughs> that joke? Wait. That's a joke from the nanny? I think so. That joke's I a mean... reference to real life. What? <laughs> right? To your story about your... Well, that's yeah. What we're yeah. Well, that's well, crazy. here's the thing. Well, it's not necessarily a reference to it as much as it is Viviana's treating it as fact, and it may not be. It may just be a joke from television. Yeah, the I butler mean, said she's it. She's definitely not. She wasn't in that. She was maybe in a revival. She was maybe. Maybe she wasn't in the opening cast. No, no, no. Yeah, the, the but IBDB tells you when they're replacing. <laughs> I did not come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, so wait. the employee <laughs> Yeah, she Oh, this is fat. We uh, might have found uh, an error in IBDB. Photo flash, Bette Midler and Fiddler on the Roof, circa 1968. Oh. 1968 Tony Awards, Bette Midler Fiddler, what? Yeah. She played like the youngest daughter or something. Nailed it. I am mortified. I would but like also an apology for Furious. <laughs> the Broadway League will be hearing about this from us. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, oh I have gosh. to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. What? Well, after a thing like that, I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> we think it's best. <laughs> this is our podcast now. It's not free to split. Yeah, I gotta go. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. This was so fun. I know. Thanks yeah, for having me. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to plug or? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna try. I'll hopefully try to come see the museum. I've never seen it. I've been dying to come. I have. I have the tote bag and everything. We'll call first. No, 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 no. Me and Gino are gonna come by. Get to the bottom of this. Well, enjoy the rest of the show. Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys soon. Yep. Talk to you soon, John. Bye. All right. So we can keep He's talking gone. here. We can really get into mad about you. Right. Let's get into it. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so the employee then asks for their name, mm -hmm. which uh, Paul responds with Buckman. That's a B as in Ank. Mm -hmm. And we heard that already in the mm -hmm. clip that happened quite a little while ago at this point, <laughs> before Ben Midler came into the picture. And they make the joke about 10,000 Pauls and 10,000 Pauls or 10,000. Oh, that's what it was. They say 10,000 Pauls, that there are 10,000 Paul Buckmans. And I'm like, 10,000 Paul Buckmans sounds like a lot of Paul Too Buckmans. Too many, yeah. I'm like... So it must be 10,000 people at the bank. And that's when she does that fabulous thumbs up. Yeah, yes. That I think just cut through the whole scene. Yeah. She's so good in this. She's so good. Yeah, Jamie says, and two tellers open. So funny. And that's when the employee tells Paul that he is dead. And he does not embrace it. No, no. He takes the news of his death poorly. But um, he kind of likes it. something to do, you know. Sure, sure. She says, it says here you died two days ago. I'm so sorry. And then she says, because they have a joint account, that she's dead too. As long as you're dead, she's dead too. And uh, that 
seemed strange to me, mm -hmm. but I guess I get it. Well, it was the 90s. Sure. <laughs> it, was <a> different time. <laughs> it may still be that way. I honestly am not sure how that would work if a joint bank account, if somebody dies, if they put a hold on everything. I, that makes sense. I, I can see that being a thing where... So, uh, ladies I out there, do not get a joint bank account. Mm -mm. It's dangerous. It's dangerous indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they ask, Jamie wants to know, Jamie and Paul want to know, how do we fix this? So how do we fix this? Oh, well, you just fill out these forms and give them to my supervisor, Mr. Williams. I bet he's gone for the weekend, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> he has a house on Montauk. And a companion. Are they happy? Very. We don't really care. Okay. <laughs> And that's when we learn that they need to give the forms to Mr. Williams, who's gone for the weekend, mm -hmm. because he has a house in Montauk and a companion. Yeah, code. They're talking in code. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Talking about gay people. <laughs> it was the 90s. It was the 90s. Yeah, this, they have moments. This is a pretty progressive show. As far as gay people go, mm -hmm. I think, generally speaking. I'm pretty sure in later seasons, Paul's sister is a comes out as a lesbian. Oh, uh, wow. I think that's the way it goes. They had Bruce Willis on. Right. <laughs> 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 that's great. <laughs> oh, Paul asks, are they happy? She says, very. Paul says, and Jamie wants to know what we do now. And the employee says, I'm afraid you're both dead until Monday. Paul says, that explains why I'm so tired. Um, I would have been like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> right? I am not high. I am alive. Somebody needs to talk to me here and now. Yeah. yeah. I would have been <laughs> So we then, yeah, we cut back. And Jamie is in a vest back at the apartment. Finally. Of course she's in the best. My goodness. She has found a quarter. She says, 17 more of these and one of us can afford a movie. <laughs> Which, if you do quick math. <laughs> you love math. <laughs> that's 4.50. Oh, for wow. For a Saturday matinee. That's nice. Oh, it's so good. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Can't be beat. Can't get popcorn, though. That's true. So why don't you go? Why? Just stay home. <laughs> Paul searches through and finds... Paul David Buckman's obituary in the paper. And he learns that uh, he was survived by friends, family, and a dog. And Jamie hears this and says, oh, dog, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you have a dog? Do, did you have a dog? Do you have a dog? Um, We've had, we've had dogs. You've had dogs. Oh, I've never had a dog. You've never had a dog? No, I've never had a dog. You've been around dogs. Yeah, I've been around them. I've had cats. But he's allergic to cats. Yeah. How long did you have a cat, and how long were you allergic? I got a cat, and then I became allergic, like, while I had him. Okay. And then, but it was, like, two years in, and then my parents got him. And then I just got way more allergic. And then they got another cat, and I'm even more allergic to that cat. But I oh, love cats. no. Yeah. He loves cats. I love cats. Oh, we were just oh, looking, at, we were looking at pictures of cats the other day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up with a lot of animals. Yeah. Too many. Yeah. Too many animals. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I had a cat for a few years in Brooklyn. What kind? My girlfriend and I, we had an orange tabby. Oh my god. Aww. Super sweet. Cute. Super sweet cat yeah. named Nicholas. Yeah, we adopted him. He was 11 years old. 
And yeah, we were like, oh, look at this orange fuzzy bowling ball. Perfect. <laughs> and then I came home from work the first day that he was gone, that we had him. I was like, where's the cat? And on top of our refrigerator is a microwave. And on top of the microwave was our cat. And I'm like, hey, bowling ball, this was not supposed to be the way you behave, guy. We need to keep you low. <laughs> He's a sweet guy. So then, yeah, Paul reads the obituary some more, and he learns that he's a Shriner. And he says, I wonder what they do with the hat. Do you guys know? I don't. No, I know a little about Masons. Okay, they're probably semi-linked-ish. There's like man-witches. Yeah, it, yes, it's a dude <laughs> club, and they wear fezzes. Okay. And I know about Shriners because there's a Shriner dance in Bye Bye Birdie. Mm. And so I learned that, like, I was in sixth grade, and I was just like, oh, Shriners, men sit around a thing, and they chase Janet Lee around a table, and they all wear pheasants. <laughs> That's what I know about Shriners. So I'm just like, 1993, you know, we're 1994, and a Shriner joke. This may be the last ever Shriner joke oh to be God. on television. Wow. wow. We all bore witness to it. Yeah. We lived it. That's, that's not nothing. That's not. That's not nothing. <laughs> so then it's like that's probably why that's why that credit card thing stuck around around for so long. If even in the nineties they're still doing Shriner jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Still cutting credit cards. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, catch up. <laughs> we don't do that. No, absolutely not. So uh, a note gets slipped under their door, and it is condolences and a sixty-day warning for vacating the premises written by their landlord, Mel Wurzel. So that's some cold slash nice stuff, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's very New York. It's like, this is the New York experience mm-hmm. in a bottle microcosm. Mm-hmm. We're feeling it with you today, you know, and that I think was very fun. That was like a fun little warm thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's just the, the weird the assumptions the landlord read the obituary. Yes. So is that what you do? You wake up and read the obituaries? A lot of people do it. My mom does. Really? <laughs> yeah. My mom is always up on who has died. Is, she, is it she's a small town? She's like looking at people that she may know? Or... Yeah, she wants to know who people, yeah. Uh... But you would have to be in such society in New York to think that like, oh, I'm going to look at the obituaries in the New York Times or whatever. I assume it's the Times. I mean, yeah, I guess, does the Daily what News paper... do, like, obituaries? Or no, right? Well, I think the, yeah, the Daily News does obituaries. Every paper, every paper will do an obituary. Huh. All right. You guys want to go find some papers and read some obituaries? <laughs> well, now we, we do, we yeah. Know. <laughs> so, Jamie tires of the obituary reading. She throws the paper away. And uh, Paul wants to know, don't we have an emergency 20? And Jamie says, I spent it on fruit. And he said, uh, Paul says, when did we have a fruit emergency? And then there's a knock at the door, and it is the neighbor, and she is back. Cece Babcock's mother. Cece Babcock's mother has arrived. <laughs> she has a uh, a dish of some sort, and um, fine china. Yes, beautiful. And she says, "I know Hal and I haven't been the best of neighbors at times." And Jamie says, "You signed a petition." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Jamie starts to talk about moving on. You know. Paul always wanted so much for you to like him. And we tried, but, um, why speak ill? <laughs> you must be devastated. Ah, easy come, easy go. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Listen, you don't know any single men, do you? Single men? Ooh, eats. 
fantastic. I have a date tonight. Damn it, Cramptons. They always had twelve dollars. I kept in a little thing. Hi, how are you? Oh, that's just rude. What the hell was that? I was toying with her little British head. Oh my goodness. Just her saying easy come, easy go. Yeah. Is so funny to me. Just, yeah. <laughs> just like it's like it's like liquid just coming out. You uh, know? It's like she's just she knows how to deliver a joke easy. Oh. It's so fun. She's so good. It's so good. And Paul, yeah, Paul shows up in the background and he she takes her dish back and just says, Oh well I now that is just rude. He's <laughs> not having this. <laughs> There's a buzz at the door, and their sister, uh, Jamie's sister, Lisa, has arrived. And Lisa says, well, what's up? Paul says, well, I'm dead. Lisa says, you're dead. I didn't get in until 4 o'clock last night. I love the funky sister. She's so great. Every, ep- every series is a funky sister, mm-hmm. and she's one of the best, I think. She, she's New York Aunt Jackie. She, yeah, absolutely. Oh, gosh. Aunt Jackie. Roseanne is so good. So good. It's coming talk- back soon. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited. They have both Beckys, I think. Or they're doing something. Oh, good. Or are they getting rid of Becky altogether? I heard it was one or the other. I didn't hear Someone that. Someone told me that, but they could have just been messing with me. <laughs> that is a cruel joke. <laughs> you don't need a person who's going to mess about yeah, acting Yeah, that's not for joking. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the doorman lead, uh, has left flowers, and the flowers have a note that says, So long, old sailor. And uh, Paul takes this to heart. And Jamie and Lisa have a little back and forth about borrowing 20 or 30 bucks. And Lisa says, I'm not comfortable with that. It creates bad vibes. <laughs> and Paul says, what about the $600 you owe us? Lisa says, see? I'm like, hey, Lisa. As ever, Lisa needs to be a little bit more reflective mm-hmm. of her own actions. <laughs> the way that... She needs to take dance classes. She needs to be aware of her surroundings. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Paul gets really into this so long old sailor bit. You're really putting the whole puzzle together, aren't you? Here's what I got. This guy, he had a boat. He had a big mahogany 50-foot beauty. And he would sail. He would just sail all over the world. Just just him and his dog and his wife. You didn't let me finish. His wife, Ellen. I've decided Ellen. And they would sail, the three of them, and, and he was he was a fighter, you know, he would drink a lot, he would drink, he was a drinker and a fighter, and he would and he would and he would he knew sea shanties. That's what I'm thinking. He knew sea shanties, they would just come na- and he would and he would he would sing the shanties to his wife as he beat the crap out of others. He creates a whole narrative for him. He'd sail all over the world, just him and his dog and his wife. People think they like boats. But I think when you get on a boat, I think you like it. You think so? And I think guys have this big fantasy about boat life. <laughs> and I think it's uh, I think it's a sham. You ever you ever been on a boat? I don't like boats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at peace with it. I know that about myself. Yeah. No, I don't like. I've never liked them. Don't trust them. We don't belong in the ocean. And I think that it maybe it's like this like uh, thing that some people are like, no, uh, yeah, no, I I got it. I got the ocean. I can I can be on it. It's like no, we don't belong in space. <laughs> No belong in the ocean. Um, we belong right here. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, yeah, proven anything? Boat person? I mean, yeah, I would love to be on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad I'm not, not like, on a boat I'm right controlling now. Controlling the boat or like whatever. <laughs> I'm like in charge. I don't want to be, have anything to be in charge of the boat. I want to be in a boat and like 
you know, you're in like on a vacation and you can jump off of it and it's totally fine and you get back on and it's like a yacht is what I'm describing. Sure. <laughs> but like, yeah, that sounds great. I've never done it. I've never like gone on like a yacht vacation, but I would love to do that. But that, but like a boat trip across the sea, you know? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like in on deep tr- waters. Like ice road trucker, but on the like- water. <laughs> No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. Yeah. You don't want to do that. You want a nice vacation on a yacht where it's like you go a little bit out and then you come. Yeah, that's different. That is like literally like that's like a that's different. Okay, well the only oh, yeah. So you're because you're talking about you don't like boats. It's like uh, that's, the, the boats that would you're you describing. That's your job, I think. So you don't. Would you take a cruise? I would actually. Yeah, I think that is probably a fabulous time. Yeah. And there's I the bet danger. I could. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So. Paul and Jamie decide to bring <laughs> Paul and Jamie decided to bring the flowers to the wake in order to meet the dead guy, as they put it. Paul says we can't afford to do anything else because they don't have any money. Paul says it's fun. It's on the way to the bath store, and Jamie says okay. I just how realized, are they gonna buy that bath? How are they gonna buy the bath mat? But that their last ten dollars. Uh, that sounds pretty stupid. Now, oh, you know what they. <laughs> So now they are going to go out with thirty dollars to spend that they borrow. Oh, that's no, the ten dollars. They've got ten dollars. She's got a dollar four, so they got eleven oh four. They do have dinner for tonight because Susie Babcock's mom brought it over. Right. But it's what Saturday. That's got to get them till. But they have groceries, so really they're fine. They don't smoke. So they're going to spend their last eleven dollars for the weekend on a bath mat. Oh, that has to be two dollars. You think? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I like. Am I just skewed and thinking the bath mats cost twenty dollars minimum? In nineteen ninety four, she probably wants a nice one though. She at least needs his uh, approval. Yeah, well, it's an experience. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the funeral home. The attendant says, "Hello, how are you today?" Oh, why am I asking? You must be sad. <laughs> <laughs> he was a fun character. Very fun character. Liked John, him a lot. John has, I'm sure, all sorts of information about... John's who the gone. Act- John is gone. <laughs> he has all sorts of information about who this character was and who this actor was and all the stuff that he played. And we would talk on and on about it and we'd have a grand old time. But that's not going to happen now. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's a great character, though. He's great. He does a really good job at this. Let's make up who plays him. Alan Rickman, the late Alan Rickman. The late Alec Rickman. Does a great job in this Emmy role. Emmy Award winning role. <laughs> um, and rightly so. Bravo, sir. You were a wonderful sheriff of Nottingham and you're a wonderful attendant at this funeral home. Except you're not really in this. So Paul, um, they go to sign the guest book. Paul says, I can't put Paul Buckman. He'll think I'm clowning around. He decides to put down Leonard Paul says, who do you want to be? Jamie says, put down Mr. and Mrs. Paul says, I thought you hate that. Because of the Hilton, you said your identity gets blurry. Which is a funny thing to say. And in advance, and say, oh, I get that, sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. She's her own person, by God. Not defined by some man. She's Helen Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Look, somebody won a whole bunch of Emmys for the show, and somebody did not. Oh. And Helen Hunt surely did. By the so, end, she was hmm. mad winning the Emmy. She had won it so many times. I'm sure you're right, yeah. Was, I remember watching that. She was right after As Good As It Gets, and she was just like, won everything that night. And she was, she was, you could, she was just like, well, you're making me look bad. You know? Oh, yeah. That's smart, though. That's yeah, smart sure. of her. Yeah, sure. She knew. She knew. <laughs> so, Jamie decides to be Donna. 
So they're Leonard and Donna. And uh, Paul points out that the Fez is there. They've got the little Fez the for little the shrine. And Paul looks at the coffin and he says, it could be me in here. Then you'd have to remarry. And the attendant jumps on this and says, a beautiful young girl like this would remarry very fast. Jamie says, thank you. How old is she? Is this character at this time? Jamie? Yeah. She just turned 30. She just turned 30 mm -hmm. and she's a young girl. That's nice. Yeah, That's sure. Nice. He's being very flattering, this attendant. And Paul wants to know, who's the guy? The attendant says, you're dead. What's your business? And gives him, gives Jamie his card. Here, this is for you, for whenever. Steen Stealer. Steen Stealer. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. So, so good. good. So, so good. good. Paul takes this card, tears it up. Dynamite job, Alan Rickman. And then a man, Monty, arrives and uh, hugs Paul. And definitely thinks that he knows Paul Buckman. Yeah. And refers to him as Gladys's kid. So he's confused. He thinks Paul and Jamie live in Toronto. There's a cabin. Mm -hmm. The man had been to the cabin. Mm -hmm. They love the cabin. Yep. It just takes you, it's a journey. Yes. You know? For sure. Paul yeah. says it's nippy. It's nippy, but it's friendly up in Toronto. So if so many things get tied from mm -hmm. the beginning, it's wow. You it's know? very it's well like, written. It's a very well show. written show. I was going to say it's confusing to watch, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's going to run into him and, and, I don't know, my media was like, oh, he, he's recognizing him as Paul Buckman and he's like, is he going to, is this like, does this Paul Buckman look the same as the other Paul Buckman? Oh, I don't okay. know, that's where my head went. It took me forever to get on board that he was just talking about like, oh, you, I recognize you. Because there's so many things. Kind sure. Of what a stress. I, I don't have fun watching a guy crash control. I don't like that. <laughs> no. Sure. It's like being on a boat. <laughs> it's like being a... Oh gosh, a funeral on a boat? A Viking funeral? Can you uh, think of a more stressful situation? No, thank you. <laughs> Any Viking friends of mine who pass away, I'm sorry, I'm not coming to your funeral. <laughs> it's just a rule I have. Paul asks what the big deal was about this Paul Buckman. Yeah, he used to write to me a lot. What, what was it about him, you think, really? He was Paul Buckman. One of a kind. Wow. He was Paul Buckman. He was one of a kind. Yeah. And Paul starts to think about his own mortality. And he says, you know, as far as Visa and everybody else is concerned, that's me in there. And we cut to a shot of the coffin. And when we cut back to the shot of Paul and Jamie, Jamie is no longer by Paul's side. Way to make it about you, though, Paul Reiser. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, this yeah. man has died. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. At his funeral. This has a little... Yeah, you should, the, the you part of this should have stayed in the bank. Mm -hmm. You don't get to go to an actual dead man's funeral and be like, that could be... Yeah, it could be you. It, yeah. could, be, it, it could be anybody. <laughs> Funerals are. <laughs> so she... We are in a dream sequence now. And she is at the side of the casket and she's in black. Oh, honey, I feel terrible. I haven't told your mother yet, but I left her a message. Your husband was a good man. A good man. Bad credit. We get to see the attendant say, good man, bad credit, and hands back a cut card. <laughs> and that Lisa asks about the $10. Did he give the $10 back to me? And Jamie gives it back. A fun little bit there. Uh, this was nice. This was like a play. This was yes. like a beautiful yeah. play. Yeah. Like they do this every now and then. That's what I was going to ask if it's like a comment. Not a lot, but every now and again they'll break from traditional form. They'll do a, they did a flashback. There was an episode a little while ago 
that took place in the Museum of Natural History during a blackout. Mm. Oh no, they they were they were talking about Paul and Jamie talked about being at the museum years prior when a blackout had occurred, mm -hmm. and they both had firsthand memories of it being kids, but they were not there together. And then we flash back and we see them both having an exchange <gasps> in the blackout, and so it, it goes <sighs> to black and white and. You know, it's it's very sweet. That's so beautiful. Um, yeah, it's wow. really sweet. It's a fun. It's a it's a fun thing. So every now and again, they'll get they'll they'll deviate, and it's it's always very well done. Yeah, the acting on the this is a this is a really good show. Every now and again, I just have to. I'm just like the acting and writing on this show is all really very well done. Maybe that's why there's no like internet culture uh, behind it because it's just like people, there's like not much to like really like except for just oh my god what a great show you know like, god, you're, you're not necessarily wrong it's a, it's only it's only available on dvd right now it's on tv wow. it's oh, on like fxx really i think <laughs> they've showed two episodes at like seven in the morning mm -hmm. and then those are banked on the fxx now app for like two weeks or something like that wow. but it's not on netflix it's not on hulu you know we watch it every week on dvd so it's a it's tough it's tough to watch now was there a campaign or some like Paul Reiser tweeted maybe something about trying to get it? He tweeted something kind of recently that they may do something, but there was a he wondered years ago. He was like, "Hey, why isn't this out on DVD?" So the fact that you can get all of the seasons on DVD is because of him. Yeah, like he went to NBC or something like that. He got he got the masters, and I think he did a lot of the working out of that deal. Um, it ages it ages so well. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a good. It, I'm gonna it, tweet at Paul Reiser. <laughs> do it. <laughs> great, great work. Hey Paul. <laughs> <You. laughs> great work. You great up. Work. <laughs> so the British neighbor is there. She opens the casket, touches Paul's dead head, says okay, and gives Jamie the china, having <laughs> proven that he is dead for real this time. And then we see Paul's ghost sitting there barefoot. Man, does that dress look good? You're here. Of course I'm here. Don't you think I'd miss this? Well, then who's that? Who is that? Hell! I guess I'm not so here. <laughs> I mean, I'm here, but I'm there, so that's it's interesting, huh? You mean you're a ghost? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> because otherwise, this makes absolutely no sense to be in two places. That's it. I must be a ghost, sure. He's barefoot? Yeah, that's hot. He's barefoot. I know that. That he's, he's wearing, yeah, okay, that's hot. But also, um, <laughs> but it's like, that's so like, that's so like, because he's like wearing all of his other clothes, but then like he's dead, so he's in his shoes. That means something. I'll tell you who else thinks it means something. Who? People who think that Paul McCartney is dead because on the cover of Abbey Road, Paul McCartney is not wearing shoes. Oh, so that's another one. reference. It's another one. And they saw that and they were like, he's not wearing shoes and he's the only one not wearing shoes because he's dead. So, so what is that? Go. It must go back to some sort of ancient um, you know ancient thing. yeah ancient wow but yeah oh, it's so oh, that's cool yeah levels man so yeah he thinks that Jamie looks great in that dress and he says the bad news is I'm dead the good news is I've been assigned to haunt you how are you gonna haunt me same as before you never haunted me you just did annoying things once in a while like what what difference is it? Mean? No, I'd like to know. It doesn't really matter. No, you matter say something like that. It's so nothing. I'm, gonna be I'm saying once every blue moon. No, yeah, I'd like to like know. Like this, this kind of thing. Yeah, well, boo. Very, 
very sweet, right? Cute. They're good. They're a handsome couple. (laughs) Says, you never haunted me. You just did annoying things once in a while, she says. And then they go back and forth a little bit about uh, what the annoying things are. And it's very, very sweet. They talk about what you can eat in the afterlife. You can eat whatever you want. Know what I had for breakfast? Four eggs and a pie, Paul says. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) Right? Oh, gosh. I like that breakfast a lot. Maybe some sort of egg pie? A quiche. A quiche, yeah. Quiche for breakfast. Yeah, there we go. I feel like I was going to be like, what? But it's like, no, it's a great breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll tell you, a quiche for breakfast, why not? Well, because I'm eating a pie for breakfast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Paul says, you can't come with me. You got things to do here. Jamie says, like what? He says, you got to get a bath mat. (laughs) And then Jamie gets escorted out a little bit by the guy from the ATM vestibule. Still hot. Still hot. Dating Jamie after Paul is dead. Oops. Paul says to Jamie, have a good life. Jamie says, you too. Paul says, I did, which is very, very sweet. And Paul calls her over, says, you know what I was thinking? And uh, they come together, and he kisses her deeply. And that just ruins Jamie's potential happiness. <laughs> she says, bad chance now. <laughs> she's still very much in love with her dead she's, husband. She's probably just saying that, You though. think so? Yeah. Make me feel good. <laughs> still left with him. <laughs> that, you know, you're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> I gotta, look, I gotta... Babe, this is just a show. Yeah. I got to put on airs for the ghost of my dead ex-husband. <laughs> Otherwise, he's going to be around all the time. Oh, my God. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we come back to reality, and Paul kisses Jamie deeply. And uh, then Monty has the best button I've ever heard for an episode. What's that for? Just, just like this. So sad. Oh, it's sad. The whole thing, it's all sad. It's amazing. You know, he sailed all around the world, never had so much as a cold. Then one morning, he steps out of the shower, slips, and breaks his neck. If only he had a bath mat. Never had a cold, slips and breaks his neck. If only he'd had a bath mat. Only he'd had a bath mat. Somehow, I didn't see it coming, and it was perfect. It was perfect. Oh, We're going to get a bath mat. This, <laughs> decisions are being made. Last time we bought one, it was too big for the bathroom. So we're going to do it right now. Great. Make good choices. <laughs> <laughs> and then the tag for this episode is also a good one. Whoa. There's a slant. You're right. Whoa. Absolutely right. There's a big slant right there. Like a whoa. <laughs> Sorry I doubted you. You hear the hum? I don't. You don't hear the hum? Mm-mm. I felt the slant. Honey, I'm really trying. If a person gives you a slant, you give them a hum. I'm sorry, I don't hear it. What am I crazy? There's a there's a hum there. There's no hum. Oh, Paul and Jamie. They just tease each other about what they can hear and what they can feel. Again and again and again. They have, they have fun with each other. They sure do. That's the, the, we talked about four clappers. What a four clapper basically is, is it's a thing that shows we have fun here. We have fun here. And that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> and rise, guys and rise, gals, that's what we did. We had fun here. We hope that you had fun here with us. Viviana and Matt, thank you so much 
for coming. Thank for coming. you. I've come here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Thank for, you for coming. coming. What Thank a you. blast. Yeah. Um, and um, come and visit the museum. Please. Um, the Real Houses of uh, Pointing Fingers open through November 12th. Mm -hmm. And then uh, December 1st, we're going to reopen a rejuvenated uh, permanent collection, Tanya Hardy, Nancy Kerrigan. Come over. We will tell you everything you need to think about Tanya and Nancy. We'll fix it. <laughs> Um, and that's THNK1994.com. Wonderful. At THNK1994 on Instagram. Wonderful. It's great. I couldn't recommend coming here more. Everybody should do it. Everybody who, everybody who likes fun stuff, come on out yeah. to the museum. Yeah. It's a real blast. You don't like fun? Stay out of here. Stay out of here. Just Venmo it. <laughs> <laughs> we are at Mad About You Pod on Twitter. Please look us up on Apple Podcasts and rate us and review us. It would be a wonderful thing to do. We have such fun, and uh, it would mean a lot to us. Uh, you can tweet at John. He is at Johnny Marbles. You can tweet at me. I'm at Russ Fader, F-E-D-E-R. And you can find us on, yeah, on Twitter, on Facebook. We want to talk to you. So talk at us, and we'll talk back. It'll be great. We have theme music. It sounds like this. And it is written and performed by John D. Ivey. Thank you, John. We have a logo. It is made by Nathan Diffie. Thank you, Nathan. Spelled D-I-F-F-E-E. -E. Find him on Twitter as well. And our sound is mixed and edited by Vuk Yovanovich. Thank you so much, Vuk. Viviana, Matt, thanks again so much. Thank you. I'm Russ Fader. And this, this is, is what, what we're saying. saying.